This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. This episode, I talk with Drs. Kriti Kalpana, Maruna Guinea-Tegla, and Deepak Menon. Kriti and Deepak both earned their PhDs from the biochemistry program at the Graduate Center. Maruna earned her PhD in biology at Bevis Boyai University in Romania. This panel was originally held in April 2020. At that time, Critty was a postdoc at the New York Stem Cell Foundation's Research Institute in New York City. Deepak was an oncology postdoc at the University of Maryland in Baltimore, and Maruna was a biology postdoc at CUNY City College. In this episode, the panelists tell us about the journey from PhD to postdoc, how to navigate the postdoc application process, and customizing your postdoc experience to align with your future goals. If you guys could just introduce yourself, your current positions, and where you are, and how you kind of got there from your PhD. Hi, I'm Kriti. I graduated from CUNY two years ago, and I've been working as a postdoc at the New York Stem Cell Foundation uh, Research Institute, which is in New York, for one and a half years now. I'm working with stem cells. I did my PhD in biochemistry, so this was kind of a career transition a little bit, and I'll be happy to talk to you and answer your questions. Hi everyone, I'm Deepak. So I graduated from CUNY. I was at Hunter College with Dr. David Foster. I graduated from CUNY in 2017 and started my postdoc right after that. And currently at University of Maryland, the Baltimore campus, and associated with the School of Medicine and the School of Dentistry right now. So I started off with working in lipids and cancer as my, as my graduate research. I made a slight shift towards pathological angiogenesis and diabetic eye disease in diabetic eye diseases. Uh, so cancer to diabetic eye disease models switch from there. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Carly and Jenny, for inviting me today. Um, my name is Miruna Guinea-Tegla. I am not a CUNY alumni, but I do work at CUNY as a postdoc now for five years. I uh, did my PhD at uh, Babesboy University in Romania, or my home country, in parallel with the National Eye Institute of NIH uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, and the Institute of Neuroscience in Pisa, Italy. My PhD was uh, kind of a, of a typical European PhD with a lot of collaborations. Happy to talk to you about that, as well as my life as a postdoc here at CUNY. I work with Mark Emerson at the CCNY. I do work in um, retina development, which is developmental neuroscience. So now getting into the application process a little bit, how did you approach the search for the postdoc, finding a good mentor fit, interviewing? How did that process look for you guys? So I started looking for postdocs before I defended. Even during the process of writing my thesis, I was actively looking, but I found the position after I had actually defended. I started looking at different websites. Indeed.com is an option. Science Careers, that's a good job site uh, for postdocs. Nature also has a job posting site 
for postdocs. That's uh, the option. And so location was also uh, a concern for me. I wanted to be in New York at the moment. So my initial search was mostly in New York. And then uh, I also emailed professors at universities that were in New York and then uh, labs that I would be interested in working in. I emailed them directly, even if they did not have a job list thing on any of these websites. So that was my initial process of looking for postdoc positions. So your postdoc is through a nonprofit. How did you find that application process as opposed to going to a university or something like that? So, I mean, I was applying to mainly academia positions, mainly universities for postdocs. And then I found this, which was something that I had no idea about. It was a field that was different to what I was in. My PhD was with Professor Kira Kawamura at Hunter College. And I work on plant microbials that have immunostimulatory or immune boosting activity. And now I'm working in stem cells and neuroscience. So that's completely different to what I did in my PhD. But stem cells was something that I was interested in uh, growing up. They kind of influenced me to go into uh, science in the first place. So I thought maybe I'll try that. And then in that application process was kind of long. I I would occasionally hear back uh, once a week or so, but it took more than a month to get uh, the approval and uh, the offer letter from them. But I had an initial interview with the, the entire team, a Skype interview. And then after a while, they asked me to come and meet with other people at the organization. And then after a while, I got the call from HR about the position. But it did take a long time as compared to some of the other university applications that I was first trying to get. Maruna, especially coming as an international citizen coming here for the postdoc. I was a pretty picky uh, postdoctoral candidate, to be very honest. I, again, I wanted to stay in New York for personal reasons. And I also wanted to follow the research I started during my PhD. So I wanted to stay in the retina development field. And that, of course, narrows the options, right? And so I was patient enough. I started uh, looking for positions around the time when, when I was preparing my thesis. So like a few months before I graduated. And I had a network. The PI that I had during my PhD, she was a great mentor and she introduced me to a lot of people. So I, I used to go to conferences. So people knew me from the conferences and were familiar with my research. And so I was reaching out to people that I know are in New York, are doing research. So and always looking for the research that I'm interested in. And eventually through this big network that I, I have and my mentor supported me to build, I finally got in touch with my actual PI. And it was a great match. I interviewed in several other labs that, again, were uh, satisfactory for me, for my search. Retinal labs as well at different universities here in the city. And then I settled to do research with Mark Emerson, which uh, was great. And Deepak. So, yeah, location was a primary concern. I had to move out of New York. So we were still planning as a family, we were looking at along the East Coast. So Maryland was one of the areas because of having an IH University of Maryland and a bunch of other universities around like uh, George Washington and others uh, around here. So it first was location and then interest. I wanted to 
explore other fields also apart from cancer, just move out and see others also. So that was also one other concern. So these two things together uh, were the primary things that we were looking at. And then again, I started following uh, the NIH has a very good website in terms of postings. They post on their website started applying over there. University of Maryland, I saw a lot of postings to come up on uh, regular job portals like Indeed. Uh, so I started applying through them. So this particular lab, uh, my PI was trying to make a switch. Like myself, she was also moving on from cancer models to NI models. So I was kind of initiating the project while being at the lab. I like, so she'd recently gotten a grant in collaboration with another lab at Hopkins at the Wilmer Eye Institute. So the grant had come in like right around the time when I joined. It was a five-year grant, so that secured me funding for five years for sure, at least without any worrying about funding parts. And then following application, I interviewed with her, gave a talk regarding my research. Since she was also in the cancer field, she could understand uh, what I had done earlier and how it could be applied to uh, retinal angiogenesis, like signaling in retinal angiogenesis over here. So uh, that trade was a good fit. I interviewed, interviewed with her and her uh, and the collaborator. And from moving there on, she had offered me the position. So all this happened right before starting to write my thesis, but I was towards completion of my project. She wanted somebody to join as soon as possible also because the grant had come in and the money had come in. So I did have a talk with my PI regarding, is this a feasible date to defend? Is it possible? And he was nice about it and he agreed on. And from there, things I moved on. So I had the position already with me. And then I wrote, started writing my thesis to finish up. Great. What were you looking for in a postdoc mentor and how did you come to realize that you had found a good fit and how did that relationship differ from potentially the relationship you had with your PhD advisor? So um, I, my, my PhD mentor was amazing and I had a really good time in my PhD at CUNY. So I was trying to look at somebody at the same level too. But when when I did my interviews, I talked to uh, the PhD mentors. I kind of got a vibe of what they are looking for, how they are, how they behave with the other people in the lab from the interviews when they introduce us to the other people in the lab. I think it's really important to get an idea of how many postdocs have been mentored by the PI that you're applying for a postdoc lab to. So I got those things uh, straightened out uh, at some of the interviews that I went uh, to. My current mentor, she's really great. She's amazing, too. We did not have a lot of interaction uh, before I joined the lab. I only saw her on Skype during the interview that I had on Skype. Uh, when I finally came to um, NICEF to meet with other people, I, I saw her briefly, but I didn't talk to her. I met with other people at the Institute. Uh, so I did not really know too much about her. I, I interacted with her through emails and my email interactions were always nice. And uh, after joining the real lab, I realized um, she's an amazing mentor and she, she's 
hands-on, but she's also, she lets you explore your own ideas. So I think that's really important that you need to um, understand what kind of mentorship you need from your postdoc if you want a more hands-on person versus a person who lets you independently explore. So that's something that uh, to keep in mind, my experience with my postdoc mentor has been great. My experience uh, regarding choosing a PI is, again, slightly different because uh, since I was doing a PhD in a multi-institutional situation, then I had three PIs, right? So I knew exactly to learn um, a little bit of everything from each one of them. I was uh, somehow lucky to have uh, their personality spread on uh, a broad spectrum, right? So uh, I knew exactly what to ask for uh, from my postdoc. I wanted work-life balance much more than I had during my PhD. I had a very intense PhD because it's structured in a way that it was four years. Uh, I realized that I learned that I would need to negotiate that from the beginning. And I, what I also learned that is very important is who are the other people in the lab, not only the PI. And when I interviewed, I really liked the fact that it was all open. We, I was able to talk in private with every single one of them and ask my questions openly without any hesitation and uh, the PI actually encouraged that which I thought I that signaled transparency to me I learned a lot from that interview day uh, I spent the whole day interviewing and yeah I think that said a lot about him as a PI and, and as a leader he was a new PI so I was the first postdoc and I still am the only postdoc in the lab as a matter of fact but uh, I knew that so I had to decide whether I want to do a postdoc in a much more settled lab or if I want to help building this lab. And I think I learned a lot by doing this. During my PhD, I worked in other labs that are more settled. So I now have both experiences. And I think that what I learned from this lab will help me a lot when I want to set my own lab. So in my case, again, I took postdoc as a stepping stone to the next step in my career. So I had some things in my mind like I was really interested in teaching and research both together. So I asked these questions regarding if she would be supportive of my, so in my case, teaching was also a priority and I did want to take some time out from my postdoctoral fellowship and teach or will she be helping me with opportunities like that? So that was something I asked her and she was super supportive of that. She, she said, yeah, you are never going to be a postdoc forever. So that's something I'm totally cool with. If you want to take up teaching positions, that was one thing. The other thing was like, if she was supportive of my future career plans or not. Then apart from that, there was a postdoc currently in the lab. I did talk to him about work-life balance. Uh, how was she? He did mention she herself is pretty supportive of family and things like that. So in those terms, she was pretty supportive. So that was a good signal to me when I talked to the other postdoc. In my case, also, she was starting off with a totally new project. Uh, the grant was there, the money was there, but starting off with a new project. So I was the first postdoc to work on this particular project to start off with. Right now, we are three postdocs and two graduate students. But uh, at that time, when I started off, it was just me starting off with the, this project. But I had the I wanted a hands-off approach in terms of mentoring. That was my mentoring style that I had received during my graduate school, like totally hands-off, uh, we were left. Uh, so I preferred that. And by talking to the postdoc and to the PI, I could feel that there was no crazy micromanagement on an everyday basis. 
think those are the things which were priority for me and that all worked out. What are your guys's goals or career plans after the postdoc? So I can start since I am the, the the one who spent five years in during this postdoc. So I'm pretty much approaching uh, and and the decision to move on, right? So I am um, decided that I would like to have my own lab and I would like to stay in academia. Uh, that is something that I built. I wasn't sure from the very beginning. I like to work in the lab, but I wasn't sure whether I want to work uh, in industry or in academia. But the more I was exposed to students, the more I had to mentor people, which I wasn't used to in the beginning. It was something, a skill that I definitely built as a postdoc. I learned that I actually like to do that and I, I get very rewarded by their uh, success and I like to mentor people. And uh, in parallel with doing research and reading papers and doing actual experiments. So that was the decision that I made in the last year. So since then, I'm trying to think about how to wrap things up. I'm working still on some projects, so hopefully they'll be able to uh, be published soon. And then I hopefully will be able to prepare um, uh, an application for a faculty position. In my case, I'm taking a slightly different approach. I do want to stay in the academia, but I'm looking at more teaching oriented positions. So more focused on teaching, less on research. I do want to have a lab, but a smaller lab with undergraduate lab. Uh, so I'm focused on UIs, they call the primarily undergraduate institutions uh, right now. So I am working towards that, sending in applications for local colleges right now. In my case, I always wanted to go into academia. I wanted to have my own research lab. That was my opinion when I entered my postdoc also. So this being a nonprofit organization, it is slightly different from academia, but it is in a position that's between academia and industry in the sense that we do get some philanthropic funding, but my lab with my PI, that kind of operates as a lab in academia because my PI, she gets her funding from grants, both NIH and otherwise. And then we have the same setup, so PI, postdocs, and then technicians in the lab, no PhD students. So I still feel that I want to go into academia. I have never wanted to go into industry, but it may be a different kind of academia setting, like the one that I am in right now in a nonprofit organization, but similarly as for having your own research and having your own lab and applying for grants. Just as a, a general tip, so if you know what's the next step you're going to do, also look at how active their career development program is. Like in that University of Maryland, there is an active postdoctoral scholars association and a career development program that's going on in over here. And it has been amazingly helpful to work with them. So they run these sessions for moving into academia, moving into industry, writing positions and things like that. So we almost have like three to four events every month where they are able to network us with industry panelists and local universities over there. So that might be something to explore when you're looking, venturing out into a postdoctoral position also. I know NIH has a very strong career development panel. I used to go to events at NIH when I was a graduate student. Do you teach at all? And are you a mentor yourself to other PhD students or undergraduate students? I do. And as I mentioned before, that was the biggest change compared to my uh, to my PhD. Where an age I didn't work with students directly, so I just had to go in and do my work. Whereas here, for the first day, I had to uh, mentor students, 
which initially was kind of overwhelming. But then again, I found a lot of joy from it and I started growing my team. And it's actually very interesting because now I have a team in, in the big lab. So um, not so much now, but I, I've had in the past even like four or five undergraduates working with me. And I like that a lot because I was able to involve them in projects. Some of them are co-authors with me on my paper and hopefully will continue to do so in the future. So that I do a lot. And again, I think the feedback from them made me want to to do it more. And again, I like to work with the high school students as well. Um, as long as they're enthusiastic, I think that's that's amazing. In my case, I do get some opportunities to mentor, even though we do have technicians in the lab. They're not really technicians in academia or industry because they do have their own projects and they're driving their own projects completely. But we have undergraduate interns who come in or sometimes we have high school students. I had two uh, undergrad students last year. This year, I'm going to get another one. So I do get to mentor a little bit. I enjoyed doing it in grad school. Are salaries negotiable or do they tend to be fixed? And what was your experience with negotiations, if any? So in my case, uh, we did discuss the salary on the day of the interview. So she said it would be according to the NIH pay scale because the grant was being funded by NIH. Still, it's like a suggested amount. It's not compulsory for the PI to pay that amount. So I do hear postdocs being paid less than that. But that was a talking point and we discussed that and she said she will pay according to NIH pay scales. Those pay scales change every year as you grow in your postdoc. So I do get those changes. In my case, on the day when I came for an in-person interview, I did not meet with my PI, so we had not discussed salary. But I met with HR, and she asked what I would expect as a postdoc, and I replied according to the NIH space scale. And that's what it started out as initially. Within a few months in the NIH scale, and I got a substantial increase. I feel, at least in my organization, it's a little bit more than what the NIH pay grade is? Similar in my case, NIH standards. Uh, we discussed that from the beginning. I was funded by an NIH grant, so that was pretty clear. Had you ever done in your PhDs internships outside of the researcher lab you were working in? I did one after-school mentoring program with the New York Academy of Sciences, where I ran a one-semester-long course for fifth graders at the uh, in Queens. So they had a nutrition program, which we had to do science ex- uh, experiments by a set set of experiments with the students after school and during the after-school hours. So that was a decent time commitment for a semester after my. So I would finish my work in the lab. And four o'clock, run, catch the train, get to uh, Queens with all my stuff uh, for the students over there. So that was one major thing that I did during the program. Apart from that, uh, like I said, through CERTIL and through the New York Academy of Sciences, I did a few online teaching courses over there. Can you talk about, in a numbers game, the application process, like how many positions did you apply for? How many interviews did you get from that? Because I started applying for postdoc positions while I was writing my thesis. So I applied in phases. 
initially I wasn't very serious about it. So I would just send in a few applications. Once I had defended, I was actively applying. I probably applied to, I want to say over 50 labs for sure, out of which some you don't really hear back from at all. Some you do, but they don't really materialize. I went to about 10 interviews. I did get another position before I joined here that I didn't accept because of certain visa issues. Yeah, so I emailed or I reached out to around 20 labs from which, as Kriti said, I didn't hear back from, I'll say, maybe half. And then the 10 that um, I heard back from, I had, so I ended up having around five interviews and three had also budgets for an immigrant person. Um, so I am uh, still on the visa. So that was wrinkle in the process. And then I, I decided to choose one of the three that um, offered me the position. My case was a similar experience around 20 applications. Heard from about half of them. Some of them did also say that there was a funding issue. So it's basing it out of interest. Some of the labs did not have a posting. So a lot of times interviewed around two plus one. One was a virtual online one. The other two I interviewed. And one of them I liked more. So I did my search with that. What is the biggest difference between being a graduate student and being a postdoc? I mean, in terms of research, you come with a certain skill set which you have already developed during your graduate school. So, so you're good at it. Nobody needs to train you again on the same thing. So again, you are responsible for mentoring any new graduate students or undergraduates that are coming in the lab. I did that in the grad school also, but here I have graduate students also whom I co-mentor in terms of even in the research projects I have a say along with the PI over there. So those are some things that I find it different from being a graduate student. I feel like for me, the biggest difference was that the PI trusted me to be on my own. And that took some time to understand that, okay, so now I don't have to double check. And that actually felt pretty good because then I was able to develop my own experiments. And so that was the biggest difference in terms of the research. And then being responsible for um, the other people's careers, some of the master's students that I work with, they had to have a, a research project. I had to make sure that they're on the good track with the project. And that was definitely challenging in the beginning. And of course, still is sometimes, but uh, it's part of the deal that I actually really like. And other than that, the similarities, I would say, is just the pressure that for the PhD, you know, you have to graduate at some point. And for the postdoc, you have to accomplish something during a pretty much similar amount of time so that you're ready for the next step. So in my PhD, I got a lot of experience in a lot of different fields at the same time. So I wouldn't call myself an expert in one given field, but I did have tissue culture experience, which is what helped me transition into the postdoc position that I am in right now, because there's a lot of tissue culture that we do. Other than that, my skill set was completely different. So I had to learn quite a lot of techniques and a lot of different things here. Even in terms of the science, it's completely different. But then as a postdoc, it is expected that you do a lot of the learning yourself. We 
even with trainings and stuff, I mean, there are people who can help you, but you do need to try and figure things out more independently as a postdoc compared to a graduate student. And in my case, it was a complete uh, career switch. I had never worked in either stem cells or neuroscience before. I had never studied neuroscience as a topic before. So I had to kind of really put myself in and read a lot and figure out things. And then after a while, my mentor started really trusting me. She would help me. She would ask me for my opinion and ask me to develop my own ideas and design my own experiments. And she trusted my opinion on that. How do you gauge when you are ready to leave a postdoc position for the next step? I felt as if completion of a project that you took upon as the end point. I mean, projects keep on coming in a lab. You can take up another one, but it's a never-ending cycle in terms of projects. I mean, completion of a project, something that you and your mentor can together agree upon. That's what I thought would be the most ideal situation. I mean, maybe you agree upon your mentor doesn't, but you want to come to a general consensus that this would be a point where I would start looking when you feel like it's at a stage towards publication or it has been published. That could be an end point where you think you can discuss with your mentor about moving on. What kinds of professional networking do you participate in as postdocs? So I personally think that if you want to stay in a field, you have to go to conferences. There's where I get more, most, first of all, I get a lot of feedback uh, for my research and I appreciate that a lot because that's where all my ideas are coming and all conferences are definitely the main source um, uh, from for my networking. And that was since my PhD. And even though it wasn't in my comfort zone to go at the conferences and just introduce myself, found that quite strange in the beginning, I became quite good at it. And I think uh, it's something that we have to do in our career. In my case, I would say yeah, conferences. I think the other thing, speaker lunches, there you can talk to both the speakers, listen to their talks if they're interesting, then you can build up collaborations. PIs network, their collaborators, they have been established in this field. So their collaborators are definitely part of the network that we have. And right now, in the job search, I have started networking through LinkedIn and contact people to help me with the job process who can help with. Again, my career development panel has helped me for some of the teaching faculty. I was able to build a network with them around here. Then postdocs who are interested in the industry panels, the career development program runs visit to labs kind of a thing where the postdocs can actually go and visit the industry site and talk with their recruiters and things. So that's another way that postdocs have been networking. Obviously, as you guys said, conferences are one of the best places to network. So we, at my organization, we are encouraged to go to conferences, meetings and symposia as well. Other than that, we also have our own conference every year in Oxford where we do get to meet a lot of the people and we have an annual retreat where we we meet other people from different fields as well. So my organization is really doing a good job at organizing these events 
events and other professional development forums. As well, we have a program in which they fund postdoctoral fellows from different parts of especially the city, but mostly the tri-state area. So that actually has a lot of professional development activities and events that we also get to be a part of, even if we are not funded by that particular program. So we have grant writing sessions and how to present at conferences and things like that. So there's a lot of career development stuff that NICEF does. As a follow-up, thoughts on how to virtually network? I've been mostly using LinkedIn as a source, and I started sending in messages to my network. So if I can have somebody as a referral, that works better. I would say, so I can say that, oh, this person referred you. For LinkedIn and Twitter, I'm not a huge Twitter person in terms of posting uh, things or tweeting all the time, but I do follow a lot of people. And the scientific community on Twitter is strong. So, you know, just commenting on someone's tweet or retweeting some aspects or getting in contact with them, I think that's great. We're going to start wrapping up and we'll do as our last question, what advice would you give to students that are applying to postdocs soon or now and how they can make themselves more competitive applicants? I would say if you're sending out emails using a cover letter or something to tailor your cover letters, not the same cover letters okay for everyone, I would say. So read up the material, maybe you can propose a project, or if you're sending out emails where there is no ad, you can propose something that's related to what you have done, how you would be a good fit in terms of what skills you bring to their lab. So do tailor your cover letters to each specific position. Other than that, use your PI's network. Maybe PI could be your referral source to that particular lab. Committee members might also be another source. So think about them also. Definitely second uh, everything you said, Deepak. And on top of that, I would like to add the fact that not everyone is uh, lucky enough to have a supportive PI and uh, that happens. And I wanted to touch on that because there might be people out there don't know where to seek this kind of advice. The whole situation is not completely lost. You can still expand the network, reach out to people and because you need to build your network and don't be shy of just emailing someone. And if they don't answer, just follow up. And don't reach out only to professors, they reach out to peers. Postdocs that you might have met at conferences or um, other people that friends of friends that you might get in touch with, we always help each other and we are here in science for each other. And that's how we all build our network. So don't give up, just carry on and look for, for what you want. Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. I think also, I think I would add that you should also have a realistic timeline of when you should be able to wrap up your projects in your PhD lab and when you would be able to join as a postdoc. Be patient, but also don't be too rigid about something. Be flexible, I guess, you know, even with Deepak and for me as well, we move into a completely different field now as postdocs. So don't be rigid about what you want to do and where you want to go. I wanted to go into academia, but now I'm thinking about other options as well. 
there's a lot of options that are open to you and don't think that if you don't know something you would never be able to do it you can always learn and postdoc is also a kind of training so you can always build up on what you have already from your phd but also learn so much more in your postdoc so explore whatever options you can get as a postdoc it is also a good time to move away from what you already know and move into spheres that you don't know anything about so you do have that option as well that's a wrap for this episode of alumni allowed i want to thank our panelists for sharing their experiences as science postdocs remember to stay tuned for more episodes of alumni allowed published every two weeks during the fall and spring semesters Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically be notified of new episodes. Also, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and career planning website at cuny.is slash career plan for more updates from our office or to make appointments with our career counselors. Thanks for listening and see you next time.